Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Well, good morning. This is Wednesday, January the 16th, and you are listening to Red Sea Roundup. I am the host for today, Pam Marvin. Our producer is Thaddeus. Good morning, Thaddeus. Good morning, Pam. Uh-oh. He says good morning. Says, Sorry, good I morning. muted his mic. This is Dennis. <laughs> Dennis. Good morning, Dennis. I should be saying Dennis is joining me this morning, just Howdy. here right off the top of the bat, to talk about some very important things about the radio station. Good morning, everyone. Do you want me to go straight into that, Pam? Sure, why you're, not? You're the one with the driver's wheel. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Take yeah. It away. Yeah, we're very excited about all the things that God has in plan, uh, the many plans for Red Sea Catholic Radio in this new year. And uh, if you uh, think about it too, too long, it's a bit overwhelming, but we've got the potential for a couple of radio stations to add to our our network, uh, we've been working on, and we're waiting actually for the government to start working again, <laughs> to to be able to approve the transfer of a station to Red Sea Catholic Radio's uh, interest to start Spanish Catholic Radio here in the Brazos Valley. So we're very excited about that opportunity. So keep a prayer uh, uh, watch for that, folks. We also have the opportunity to pursue a station in the Tyler Diocese. And um, that's a really, really big venture, and it's a huge leap of faith. So if you look at our station in the Brazos Valley at KEDC, that's a 2,500-watt station. The Waco station is a 4,100-watt station. The station in East Texas would be 34,000 watts. Mm. So it's it's huge, and it comes with a price tag. And so we're uh, starting the process of that exploration in We've, we've actually been exploring that for the past several years and praying about it. And, and I, at times, have been trying to avoid it, oh. <laughs> running away from it at times. But God has a way of saying, no, you're going to at least explore this. And so tomorrow afternoon, I have a meeting at the Diocese of Tyler with uh, Stacy Trezenkos. She is a um, uh, an author and a speaker, but she's also their head of the St. Philip's Institute of Catechesis and Evangelization. Oh. She was the headliner, or actually the uh, initial speaker at the most recent Catholic Answers Conference really? in, in California. So we're excited about being able to meet with her. Uh, she's an author of several books, I believe, as well, and I don't have them in front of me, sorry. But she's not listening, so I, I think we're okay because they don't have a station yet in Tyler. <laughs> but she believes in the big picture, and so does their bishop. And so, now does she work for the diocese of Tyler? Yes, she does. Okay. She does now. So it's, she's a fairly new employee there, but she gets the big picture of what mm. Catholic Radio can do. And so we're very excited about what uh, what God will do. And so we're going to pursue that. But in that effort, we've been trying to complete the purchase and finalize the purchase of the Waco station. And we don't want to basically uh, be bad stewards of what God has given us. We want to be able to pay off and to financially afford the things that He has given to us. So we're in the midst of a $30,000 match. We had 10 families at the end of this last year and going into this new year that gave a $30,000 matching opportunity. So if we can get people to donate 
through the end of this matching opportunity, which will include a mail out. And I'll talk briefly about that in a minute. Um, we can double that money to $60,000. Wow. And that would be a good start. That'd pay off 20% of the rest of the debt that we have there in Waco. And it'd give us on a, a lot better footing to be able to jump forward and move towards Tyler. So that's what we're looking at, folks. If you believe in what Red Sea Catholic Radio can do for your life and has done, consider giving even a little bit more monthly or one time. Any of it counts toward that match of $30,000. We're not quite halfway there, and we're about to do a mail-out, uh, which includes tax letters for all the generous donors in 2018, but it comes with a newsletter as well with four incredible testimonies that Thaddeus has put, pulled together and uh, they're quite inspirational uh, mm. of what Red Sea Catholic Radio has done in people's lives. And one of them is a testimony from Karen, a listener in Waco. And I'm going to be on my way back from Tyler meeting with her uh, in Waco for lunch. Aww. And just she became a, a recent big donor of our station, and she's converting to the Catholic faith because of Red Amen. Sea Catholic Radio. Wow. The gift that keeps on giving is right. what her testimonies have been over the past Aww. year. So we're very excited about how God has touched the lives of so many people. And so we're going to take a huge leap of faith tomorrow by going to Tyler to see where God leads us next. So wow. we'll be praying for you. But we need people that are listening now mm -hmm. to believe in what we're doing now and give. If they're a regular giver, give a little bit more. If you've never given... This is the time to give to Red Sea Catholic Radio because it'll double your impact with that $30,000 wow. matching opportunity. So yeah, it's it's exciting. It's it a, a little bit overwhelming where God is taking us, but um, I'm not the best person at asking for money, but when God says do it, we're going to do it. And do so it. Right. I know that if uh, he can choose people like me to help start a radio station, <laughs> he can work through any of us. So. We're very excited um, to be able to to do this and to partner with our listeners. So just a lot of great things going on for this new year. So keep us uh, in your prayers, folks, because we're going to need them. Okay. On that same note, Dennis, do you have other kind of dreams and aspirations for this radio station in this year of 2019? I, I think that the what I just mentioned yes. is beyond what I could dream. So really? it's it's something to have honestly, another. Well, station. one and one that big in that a brand big. new diocese. Um, uh. Yeah, we've already tipped our toes into the Tyler Diocese with our Palestine station. So howdy to everyone in Palestine. I'll be there uh, tomorrow night uh, at your transmitter room working on your station <laughs> there to do some upgrades. And so um, we've dipped our toes into that area, but now it's um, there's a lot of people. This station has potential to reach 800,000 people, which would double our impact of what we have in the station's so far. Right. So it would instantly double the size of our, our network. Okay. Well, we'll keep that in our prayers. And, and we ask our area. listeners to do that. Keep in your yeah. prayers. And if you are feeling that tug to contribute today, how can they do that best? If Dennis? you go to our website at redcradio.org and click on that donate button and that's it. You just follow those instructions there for a monthly or a one-time gift of any amount. We're not saying anything about really small gifts, because we treasure those, and we, we treasure the really big gifts as well. So whatever God has given you in life uh, to be able to share, to be a good steward over, we ask if you consider Red Sea Catholic Radio in your giving, uh, we would just be honored. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. A lot of God keeps us on our toes around here. So Okay, so I know that there's a benefit that'll come around you know, each fall. Yeah, we've got one at in Waco in April. 
Oh, uh, it's coming around the real Thursday soon. after mm-hmm. Easter. And so we're going to, for those of you that were here in the Brazos Valley to hear Tom Peterson, we're going to have uh, Tom Peterson come back to the Waco area and speak about how we can all be great Catholic heroes. He was awesome. I yeah, really enjoyed it. An amazingly him. beneficial benefit, mm-hmm. if you can say such a thing. So we're very excited about the opportunity. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a tailgating theme. We're going to switch it over to maybe a little bit of a baseball motif and uh, great, you know, great drinks, great food, great fellowship. That sounds great. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So just stay tuned. We always try to have fun around here, but it's in in difficult times in our world where so many people are so divided. We are so excited that Red Sea Catholic Radio can be around to unite them um, under one faith and under right. one banner of 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 kindness, really. Yeah, and well, and to breathe hope into everybody right now. <laughs> we, all, like it. we all need a little bit of that. Yes, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dennis. Well, I'm very excited about the second part of the show today and you being back in the studio for the I new year. No, know, I know. Last uh, last month, uh, we did a little rerun because St. Mary's has been under so much constri- uh, construction, oh yeah. but it's it, one of my favorites, too. To this day, they're out digging outside our window. To, yes. Yeah. So yeah, I even got pulled over to to pay for parking today, and I was like, "Oh!" <laughs> but I talked him out of it. <laughs> Just tell tell him you're with the radio, and they'll let you in. No, I did, and he didn't understand. <laughs> but he said, "Oh, you mean it's over there in this Catholic center?" I'm like, "Yes." He's, "Oh, you're good then." <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, today's slab day. They're pouring the big slab in the back of the building, and so a lot. It's big step day for St. Mary's Catholic Center here. No, but when is the parking garage going to get? Though? Oh, don't even. That's, no? that'll be a while. Be a while. Yeah. I thought that was like one of the first things. Uh, Things change. Things change. Of course they do. The weather changes and that changes a lot around here too. So that's right. Very happy to be here and happy, happy uh, hump day to everyone. Happy new year. Can't say Merry Christmas anymore, but happy ordinary time. Happy ordinary time. No kidding. Before Lent starts. Any, uh, any kind of uh, resolutions this year? Uh, Mm. Honestly, Tyler. Yeah. (laughs) That's about all I can focus on right now is because it's a, it's a huge opportunity to evangelize mm-hmm. a lot of people, and there's a lot of non-Catholics in Tyler that, and a lot of just great people that that would love to hear the truth, and if they know the truth, to hear more about the truth over the airwaves. So that's awesome. Well, speaking on that note, I want to introduce my guest today. We're going to just take a few minutes to to talk to her. Her name is Sister Tatum McWherter. Did I say that right? McWhorter? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For the most part. She is a, an apostle of the interior life here at St. Mary. So welcome. Thank you, Pam. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure and honor. Um, I, as most people have been listening to my show over these last several months, I have a really heart for human formation. Um, I was telling sister uh, before we got started that I just, I feel like so many of us, maybe we, we, uh, we're in love with Jesus and, and we know our scripture fairly well, uh, but there's a whole nother side um, to human formation human formation. And when I say that, I mean, like, in the virtues, you know, how do we like overcome our, our own sinful nature, our own propensity to not do the right thing to, to, to draw closer to his heart with purity. And so over this next year, and I started it last year, and it's just really been flowing so naturally. So I think the Holy Spirit's calling me to continue with the theme of like virtue and human virtues in, in general and talk about how we can become better humans. And you were overheard talking by Thaddeus, I believe it was. Can you tell me that story? Yeah, I talked to Thaddeus and I told him I was reading this great book um, called The Power of Silence by Cardinal Seurat. And I just said, 
yeah, I could just like meditate on a few of these quotes for a while. And he said, oh, wow, would you ever want to talk on the radio about that? <laughs> and that wasn't exactly my first thought, but here I am. <laughs> and I'm so thankful. Thanks for being on, sister. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thaddeus. That's right. And if you're listening right now and you have a specific heart for a virtue of some sort and you'd really love to share your heart with us, get in touch here with the station and maybe we can get you on the air to talk about this human virtue. Well, although it's not quite exactly virtue, so to speak. Yeah, I would say the cultivating of silence is probably the virtue that we could talk about today. Right, right, right. So when I say human formation, I I really just, again, want us to be very focused on um, sloughing off our sin nature and putting on our um, more spiritual nature is the way I want to say it. And I think the the building up of silence is definitely one of the schools we do it in. I I think we could maybe organize it under temperance, if temperance is opposed to gluttony, because um, noise... Um, st- visual, all all kinds of stimulation, those fall under gluttonous behaviors, and so silence is an antidote to that. Mm-hmm. So I think if we think about it in terms of of the virtue of temperance, I think we're probably in good good territory. Exactly, I totally agree. Yep, and it also uses, I would say, fortitude because nowadays mm-hmm. it takes courage to be in silence, and I am excited to talk about that because I Me myself too. am and struggling to cultivate silence. So when I come on on air, it's not because I am a master at silence. So I have noticed that it takes courage. Absolutely. Yeah. Heart and a passion for it, for yeah. sure. And I think that's why we're here. I mean, I'm definitely not talking about human formation because I'm good at it. I'm talking because I need it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, again, folks, if you're just now joining us, you're listening to Red Sea Roundup. Uh, my host today is Sister Tatum, and we will be talking about cultivating silence in your life as a means to grow closer to the heart of Jesus. So with that, Thaddeus, do you think you could take us into a break a little early? Oh, look, he's, he can tell. He can tell. Okay, so catch us on the, on the other side of the break, but until then, we'll be right back. Welcome back. If you are just now joining us, you are listening to Red Sea Roundup. And today my host is, excuse me, I am the host, Pam Marvin, but my guest today is Sister Tatum. Welcome back, Sister Tatum. Thank you, Pam. Well, I am very um, honored to have you here. I always tell everyone I feel like we just have this gold mine being in the St. Mary's uh, Student Center where we have so many um, religious consecrated that come through our doors to be able to tap into their knowledge or expertise. And as you were saying before, this is not my expertise, but it's, mm-hmm. you definitely have a passion for it. And I think that's so pleasing to Christ. So kind of tell us how you got on the topic of it. You mentioned before the break a little bit about uh, Cardinal Seurat's book, but just kind of give us a little intro as to why this has become important to you. Well, here at St. Mary's, I, I do spiritual direction with some of the students here And so as a spiritual director and as an apostolate 
of Interior Life. That's the name of my community. Um, we are constantly being challenged to dive in deeper into elements of the spiritual life. And I was really noticing in the people that I was speaking with, in myself, how challenging it is to cultivate the interior life in the frenetic society that we're in. And I happen to be a type A person who kind of keeps busy. And I was noticing that this busyness is masking, you know, some disquiet in my heart. And I, I needed silence. And so I remember when I was cooking one day, I just usually turn on the music and I said, I don't even want to listen to music right now. I need some silence. It's been a really busy day, you know? And so I started seeing myself craving silence. And so I had to start being intentional about cultivating it because naturally speaking, in my day, there are not very many environments that I'm in where there is a great amount of silence. I'm not in a monastery. I live just down the street in a very crowded college like environment. There are college students all around me. And so um, even to, to go to bed at night, I don't have silence. And, you know, they're, they're doing all kinds of construction around me as well. So, so anyways, just noticing how much my heart needs silence because I was noticing in my own prayer, it's harder to, to find silence there too. Even if all around you, there might be silence, you know, in the chapel or wherever you're sitting. But really, interiorly, there's also not it's not very easy to have silence there. Mm. And so I noticed I needed to be intentional about the exteriors, but also start to, to notice the effect of the exteriors on, on my heart. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, as I've aged, I've grown more and more desirous of that kind of quiet space where it's almost like I remember I had my newborns, uh, they would get cranky by the end of the day because it was sensory overload. And I really find that that's that's the case for me as I'm getting to be a little older. Grandma-ish will say that um, I get a little sensory overload, need to just kind of do a little rebooting to have quiet. As a matter of fact, a few years ago, and I really challenge anybody to do this during the Lenten season um, was to turn off my radio. When you said that, I remember, oh, I remember doing that a couple of years ago where I started turning my radio off in the car and never had it on. And so I wanted that time of just silence. And guess what happens? God fills it. Yeah. Most oftentimes he'll fill it. Yeah, definitely. Was that hard for you? The silence and to begin going with, from place to place? Right. To begin with, it was, it was uncomfortable. Um, and, but then I said, okay, well, I'm going to pray during this time. And then after Lent was over, I found myself really deciding, do I want quiet or do I want music? You know, and was very more intentional about it. No, I I need that time right now to, to really, uh, be with Jesus. And then I started thinking, Hmm, there's really nothing on the radio right now that I would rather be listening to than just trying to sit here with Jesus and, and talk to him. So yeah, it was very good fruitful lesson one I need to get back to because again kind of get away from it Mm -hmm. for sure so when we start talking about this one of the first things that that um really came to mind when I look around just family and friends is that being silent it can be very hard right right well why do you, I mean, I have some ideas about why I think that might be true, but for our listeners, because, you know, we will always want to, you know, wrap this up at the end as to how we can overcome some of that mm-hmm. discomfort to seek silence. But why do we need to seek silence? Let's talk about that a little bit. 
All right. Well, I personally think that silence isn't very much being promoted in our society, nor then do we grow up with this love of silence. So I didn't grow up in the country, so I don't really have this love of silence that was created in my being, let's say. Um, And I had to think of Mary. Um, This past Advent, I read a meditation about how her heart reflected the pace of life in Nazareth. Mm. So she was... You know, she received the angel's greeting to her, but think of her heart. Her heart was at a, a very much pace of the of a very slow life. And and so she was able to hear that voice. She was able to respond to that voice. And nowadays it is harder to listen to that that still calm voice. Mm. You know, we we do hear a lot more ruckus, you know, in our daily lives. So true. And so how much our hearts kind of start to reflect what what environment is around us. Mm. And so so, true. so how much um we need to form Nazareth, schools of Nazareth around us. That's what um Pope Paul the 6th said. He said how much we need to return to the school of Nazareth and how much we need to return to this desire and love for silence. Mm. Well, you know, this is making me recall the first time I went to a silent retreat. Yes. Okay. See, I'm a very sanguine personality. I really, you know, um, love people, adore people. Thank you, Jesus. Um, But I was scared to death. I literally was scared to death to go on a silent retreat. I didn't know how I was going to do with all this not talking and being quiet. But when I started to really look closer at my fear, because I always believe and I encourage our listeners too, if you feel fearful about something, to really look closer to that. Because Mm -hmm. usually in most cases, maybe like what we're talking about is um, the evil one can get in there and try and really wreak havoc with it. So I just really want to follow through kind of what happens. So I go into the silent retreat. I'm super fearful. Number one, I, I'm thinking um, I don't belong here. I'm with a bunch of holy women. As, see, what does that sound like? This is not where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but I pushed through because I just kept shaking it off. I was like, okay, I'm just going to shake that off because I desire this. So it was an act of the will to push on through to get there. But what I found on the other side, and, and I, I kept thinking, is God going to reveal to me my yuck? My nastiness. Uh, yeah. I was so afraid of him mm-hmm. coming in and just saying, oh, look how bad and rotten you are, Pamela. Um, when the opposite was true, sister, mm-hmm. he came in and says, no, just let me love you. Beautiful. And that is what I experienced in my first silent retreat. So if you've ever had it on your heart to do a silent retreat, do it. Mm-hmm. God wants to love you in the silence. I tell you what, these silent retreats are actually our most popular retreats at St. Mary's. Mm. Okay, Aggie Awakening is definitely very popular, and we can't take anything from that. But we had a silent retreat this last March, and the students, they didn't want it to end, and they were in silence for three days, you know? So they didn't want that to end. And they, I hear so many people say to other people, you need to go on a silent retreat. And we had this fall retreat a few months ago, and we only did silence from the evening through the next morning. And so the students had only really been there, not even 18 hours, and they were already telling us how refreshed and restored they felt. Wow. And they, I mean, it really was 
a few hours of silence before they went to bed, a few hours of silence after they woke up, and they were feeling so rejuvenated and they were starting to look at their lives. And that, Pam, what you said earlier, I'm afraid that he's going to reveal all this junk or muck to me, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever word you said. And so that is the fear that we are we are going to feel our emptiness, our loneliness in that silence, you know. And so we fear to go there because we're scared of what we'll discover. And we're, I guess we're imagining the worst, right? Mm-hmm. But like you said, why can't we imagine the best? Absolutely. If God is met in silence, why can't we imagine the best. Right. So I want to say that last line you said really good, really slowly and intentionally. We meet God in silence, in the silence of our heart. Why wouldn't we want to do that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Still more fear there and awkwardness. Like, I don't know a person who's not like very uncomfortable with being awkward, right? right? It feels weird. It's unusual. I was telling you in the break, I, I went to the dentist's office and really intentionally did not take my phone in and everyone else was on their phone. And I was just sitting there, you know, just kind of looking around with nothing to do, felt really awkward. Um, but then, then conversations will start to, to, he, to be drawn in some instances, which is really nice because I feel like um, that human interaction away from the screens, I, is, is just so important. I feel like we get drawn into those screens. Like, why do we? Because we want to, we don't want to be ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say are some of those, why are we uncomfortable? And what can we do about that uncomfortableness? And like, just push through? Yeah. Well, let's see. I think that the uncomfortableness is definitely being, um, is being present in our society because if we're afraid of who we are, then we are going to be afraid of how someone else is going to receive us. Mm, So true. You know, and so if we're on the bus going to class, um, as a lot of Aggies do, um, it is easier to not interact. Mm. It is easier to pull out the phone, check something, you know, just meander on the internet on this black hole <laughs> and, and not interact because if we're afraid of what we find, what we could find inside, there is a bigger fear too of what others could see in us, mm-hmm. you know? And so it, it definitely is a challenge to go past and go out of that comfort zone. Um, but there are so many graces that can be born from there. I go on campus every um, Tuesday to meet with students just for lunch. And I kind of just go and, bring my own lunch and just sit with whoever is sitting by themselves. Well, the people who are sitting by themselves are usually on their phones. I don't come across people who are just sitting by themselves having a nice lunch. You know, they're usually watching the show. So I say, hi, can I sit with you and have lunch with you? And they look up from their screen and I get a a variety of reactions. Some people say, yeah, actually you can, because why? Well, they were using their screen because they weren't sitting with anybody and they felt awkward. And so they want yeah, I'll sit with you and talk with you, you know, mm-hmm. or there's the person is just is really kind of consumed by that. And I, I sat down to this girl and I mean, she wouldn't shut her computer. She was constantly doing things. I was asking a few questions and then I shared something rather awkward. I shared about my nightmare that I had the night before. Don't ask me why I shared that. But I was sharing with her this random story and she puts down her computer and says, oh, I had a nightmare last night, too. 
And then she talked for 40 minutes. Wow. Yeah. So, so anyway, it took a while, but it's worth breaking into that. Um, and yeah. I would really challenge listeners to not only, um, you know, take the, ch- take up the challenge to not pull out your phone right away in awkward situations, but to even just not be afraid of someone else's phone being up. I, they might look busy, but I, I'm having a feeling in my own experience that right. they're not busy. Well, there's something very fascinating given my line of work for most most of my listeners know I'm a fertility care practitioner. And how does that work in? Well, I actually have a part of it where we talk about true intimacy. But right now, Sister Tate and I have an intimacy of face-to-face contact. We're very present and very loving with one another as we look into each other's face Mm -hmm. that is so healing and so nourishing and I think that people forget that part and they're they're fearful for how they'll be reacted to so I just want to encourage everyone to put down the screens when you're in the presence of other people because Jesus is in that person don't miss the opportunity to see Jesus in the other yeah. So as we, we move on from talking about craving silence, and we know a lot of times it is uh, a difference in temperament. So we do have our temperaments like me, who just, I don't know, a stranger generally, um, to the melancholic type as well, who maybe they, uh, the introverted that want to have a little more more quiet time, which is awesome. I think that's a great balance too, but you got to have both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of my sister's one of my sisters is a sing. She's a sanguine. She's more of a people person. And she was actually in Times Square uh, in New York City. And she s- sat on a corner in Times Square and watched everybody go by. You could say there was the most, that's probably the most noise that exists in the world. Maybe not, but I feel like it is. It is a pretty noisy place. There's lights everywhere. There's people talking. There's people walking, um, you know, and so, but she was there and she, she honestly was like immersed in a moment of, of basically just contemplation. And I, I was baffled by this. I was like, how? I mean, with everything going on around you, but she found in that place a, a a peace and silence. And I guarantee you, though, that most of the people walking around her were not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can even be in loud places. Um, if we are cultivating silence daily, mm-hmm. we can even be in these loud places and be able to encounter God. Oh, sister, one of the things that just popped out at me as you're saying that is that as we're cultivating silence, it doesn't have to be exterior. Mm-hmm. It can totally be. I When I think of cultivating science, silence, I think of it within my heart, within my mind, those, those times in prayer. And I want to encourage uh, moms, especially with small children, um, that you can have that too. You, there may be lots going on around you at the moment, but how can you cultivate cultivate that silence of your heart or your mind? Uh, I just wanted to say that we just got a, an email in from a listener. Um, this is from Stephen in Waco, and he said, "Cultivating silence—that's a bit difficult on my end as a drummer. After all, no drummer wants the silent treatment. Mm-hmm. LOL." <laughs> but he has a permanent practice kit in his home that uh, with different fittings has reduced the overall drum volume by 80% while not total silence that nevertheless makes the neighbors happy (laughs) and especially my wife. I have a feeling that even with all this, it would probably not be good to take during a silent retreat. 
anyway, I do appreciate listening to Red Sea. I think um, this is an example of, uh, you know, this subject of silence is maybe one that doesn't cross a lot of people's minds. And Mm -hmm. maybe there's different, uh, there's probably a lot of listeners out there who might be sitting there also thinking, okay, I think I understand the philosophy here behind silence or some of the reasoning behind it. What are some practical steps that I can take to cultivate silence in my life? Because as Stephen is saying, I'm a drummer. I have to, I have to practice my music. That's a large part of my day. So where do I fit in or how do I fit in silence into my day? So that Mm -hmm. might be an, an interesting transition. Thanks Stephen for listening and supporting us. Thanks Stephen. Right. If I would, I'm going to jump in on that and say that all of us need to kind of take, um, inventory, so to speak on our relationship with noise and silence. And what I mean by that is, uh, do you have quiet times currently? Maybe you don't. That's what I mean. Look at your day. Do you have it ever built in? Do you have that quiet time of prayer? Or say, are you constantly on your phone or watching a movie or in conversation, anything like that? So I think that's the first step. Would you agree, sister? Yes, definitely. Taking inventory. inventory yeah. Right. That's a good way to say it. Of silence in your day. I would like to piggyback on that, though. And also with Stephen, you know, he says he's a drummer. You know, is if that's his gift in, in drumming, is that noise then? Is drumming noise for him? You know, that's, I think that's important to identify what is noise for Mm, me. mm -hmm. Because your child crying is not necessarily noise. You, we do not need to idolize silence as, you know, my child keeps crying and I can't get away from this. Where am I supposed to do with this? You know, Um, so we can't, um, we have to distinguish what is noise for us, I think. Mm. And so we need to eliminate noise in this thing, whatever it is that is kind of creating our heart to be more and more restless. So noise being something that creates, makes our hearts more restless. Okay, mm-hmm. well, let's do one, two. What are your top two things of types of noise that is that makes your heart restless? Can you think of something? Well, my top two types of noise in that, my own life. Yes, the, as a, as a negative, you know, like this is just more than I can really do. Um, the television. Oh yeah. We don't even have a television out in our house. We keep it in a closet. We only pull it out to watch a movie or a sporting event, and I know that. Um, so I'll just say that for myself. So that's something that even even if it's muted, mm-hmm. it's still bothersome mm. to me to, to just have it on. Um, so did you notice that when you were younger um, that you were ha- you were the TV being on, or if you're like at a bar, do you do you notice it, or was it something that you struggled with in the past, and so that's why you've taken well, these I know concrete that, actions? Yeah, out in the social setting, I noticed. Um, even before starting a family, that it would take my focus off of the people who I was around the table at. Mm-hmm. I took a class on the media in college, and I, I learned about um, just all the messaging that is in media, both um, not not subliminal messaging, but just surreptitious um, messaging that's built into the way that commercials are constructed and, you know, that idea of 
um, commercials or why the shows exist. It's to, it's to sell. Mm-hmm. You know that's why there's that's why there are shows, and I um, I just kind of found that sickening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we started a family, feeling like you know that's a competitor, that's a cultural competitor in my room oh, in my yeah, house. Yeah. I'm letting I'm letting another, oftentimes a competing or deviant deviant voice into my family. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm going to protect my family that, that way, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I would say those are some of the things. Mm-hmm. Right. Let me see. I think one of my top ones, and this is going to be telling stories on myself, like I was saying earlier with a little bit of sensory overload, and I can say what I'm about to say because I am guilty of doing it myself. And that is the, um, the incessant talker. Cause I'm definitely an incessant talker at times and it, you can cross a threshold where there's no more conversation. There's just rapid fire talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, for myself, it's a symptom of my own self-centeredness. Um, and so by the end of the day, I just want some silence. I just have a hard time with a lot of talking by the end of the day. I, I don't know why that is, but I feel I'm like, uh, I got to kind of unplug a little bit and just have some quiet time. And my, my favorite is just to go to read, to kind of unplug. To you read. do realize how incredibly ironic that is that I you know. are a radio talk show. Well, that's why I am right. She found a great job. <laughs> I, if I do, I appreciate it a lot. I love it so much. Mm. No, I interrupted a friend at work yesterday and she says, excuse me, you're interrupting me. And I really appreciated her for doing that. I really did. I'm like, you're so right. I'm really trying to work on that. But you know, that's just my own natural propensity to think that I'm the only person in the world. Right, right. Yeah. And so to have somebody who can keep you accountable to that um, or have a concrete action, you know, that, that we take against something like a TV in the room. My noise, my noise is definitely busyness. Like I said earlier, mm. I can be very type A and have a to-do list. And I would say I'm a type A person in rehab because, <laughs> you know, because I, every time I have a to-do list, I'm actually not happy. It does not cause me to thrive. I am not happy and I'm more stressed out about the things that are still there. And so I've been kind of moving away from this and Um, But what I noticed after I moved away from that, well, for instance, I was sick with a fever for six days and I couldn't do anything. So, yeah, so I couldn't do anything. And so I was stuck in bed and I remember the sisters coming home and one of my sisters had like these high heels on and she was walking through the house. And that was that was annoying to me because she was walking and I, I felt like everybody was had something important except me. And I was just sitting in bed. And I started to connect the dots that, oh my gosh, my busyness is noise. Like I said before, my busyness is making me feel important Mm. and making me feel like I have something worth to give, you know, to other people. And so moving away from busyness has been very purifying Mm -hmm. um, and very hard. Um, So I'm very much a Martha. And I remember, um, you know, from Cardinal Seurat's book, um, the power of silence. When he, when Jesus comes to Martha, he's not rebuking her 
you know, for serving because that is a good thing. And we, you know, we do have charisms of serving, but he is, he's, he's calling her back to her heart because that busyness is taking over Mm. and she cannot be in contact with her heart. She's even just erupted at her sister. She's erupted at, at Jesus. She says, why don't you tell her to, you know, help me out, you know? So she's not in contact with her heart. And so that's what I find is every time I'm busy, I'm not in contact with my heart. And so that silence is so needed um, for me um, in that place. And then another thing is I'm actually, um, I'm new to the iPhone, um, but I'm also a millennial. And so the iPhone does have its intriguing, you know, you know, just like, oh, did that person text me back? You know, so I would say some of my noise can come through my phone. And um, I I want to do a little promo here for an app that has really helped me. Ooh. It's called Moment. Uh, if you have an iPhone, it's, you can get this, uh, this app, so Moment. And so basically what they're talking about is an we don't want the phone to take us away from special moments with people that we love or good opportunities that we have in life to see a sunset, to, you know, talk with a person on the bus next to us. And so um, this app, I got it the minute I got my phone because I heard about it on another um, podcast. And it talks about basically having accountability with your phone. So you can set time limits for, you know, if I don't want to be on my phone from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. And it will send you notifications saying you don't want to be on your phone if you happen to be on your phone during those times. But another thing that it does is just it, you can set up a goal of how much time during the day you want to be on your phone. You would be shocked to know how much time on of your day you're on your phone. I'm, uh, you know, I just did it for like three days just to see, you know, without trying to check myself, without trying to be good about this. And I just was. And, you know, it was like over two hours. And I was like, wow, I don't even remember really being on my phone. But I was, I guess, after you spend some time sending that text message, you look at whatever, your social media. And so I, you know, I, I gave myself a, a goal to reach every day and I don't reach it every day, but I, I, you know, I do want to be challenged. And then there's also a pickup goal because we pick up our phones so many times a day. Actually, the average person picks up their phone 64 times a day wow. and, and the average person's on their phone around four hours a day. Wow. And that ends up being like several years of your life if you live until you're 80. So wow. it really puts everything in perspective. And I honestly am surprised, but saddened that nobody really <laughs> takes up this app. They don't take my suggestion. And I think we I think we are afraid to be challenged in this area. So okay. get that app. Get I'm telling app. you. Another challenge. Take the challenge. You know, it could be a good New Year's resolution or a good Lenten resolution, but it really will help help eliminate that noise that might be in your life, whether it be through checking you know, the football scores or, you know, checking out a YouTube video or or whatnot. You know, it is it is a you know a very good challenge. I think it's awesome. So the first challenge we're giving you today is take inventory of your relationship with silence. Yes. Number one. And number two, download the moments. Moment. Moment app to see how much time you're actually spending on your phone. Yeah. And it right? will it will tell you like, hey, you're getting close to your goal. You know, watch out. But yeah. anyways, it's, you know. I think we need to be open to people um, challenging us in these areas because it really can suck suck life away from us, but suck the life out of us, you know? Well, as a mother to teenagers, 
My, my girls do a pretty good job of not being on their phones while they're around me. But one of the common phrases that we do say around the house is faces, not screens. Faces always take priority over screens. And, and I, that's all I have to say. And they're like, oh, yes, ma'am. You know, I say that like they're really awesome, but they are kind of a little bit. But <laughs> they watch a lot of TV more than I wish. But, you know, that's another real thing is just putting it away like that. I look forward to the day when we have dumb phones again and we just delight in having a dumb phone. No more smartphones. Yeah, <laughs> I'm calling yeah. for the comeback, man. <laughs> okay. So one of the things I have on here is to let's, let's, what is our why? Let's really define the why of silence mm. in a better way. And, and I, the why of silence for me personally is it is like you said, restorative, when you were talking about the students earlier, it's very restorative. It kind of gets us back to our baseline of the truth about God and how much he loves us. But there's another component I think is so beautiful, and that is the healing aspect of it. When I first started um, being aware of the JP2 Healing Institute, healing the whole person and those kinds of things, one of the one of the things that um, was very very moving for me was to 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 practice sitting in silence um, with just this mutual adoration of me for Christ and Christ for me, and found that to be extraordinarily healing. That you know just the the imagination using my imagination of the face of Christ gazing upon me and loving me deeply and purely was very healing. And you can't do that with a lot of noise going on. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. So I want to encourage you too. I mean, and the best place to find that I think I have here at the end of my little outline sister is, Oh my goodness is adoration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think adoration really is maybe in my mind, the main place where we can find the fruit of silence, but also find the challenge of silence. Because when you get in front of Jesus, I mean, he, he is a, he is, you know, revealing himself in the consecrated host. And if that is kind of maybe a revelation of silence, you know, um, of just that humility, that meekness, you know, um, he's not coming in loud, um, it's just very peaceful. Um, most adoration chapels are, and, um, we sit down in that presence and we are challenged to face with what is going on inside. Mm. And I think, you know, we talked a lot about external noise. I think now we can talk about internal noise. So true. You know, because, um, cultivating that exterior silence is one thing and it's very, very important, especially in our society today. Um, we can't, you know, we can't, I guess, take too many steps to um, help ourselves to grow in that. But with interior, um, you know, inner disposition of silence, you know, that's that's harder. And we can't necessarily on our own effort get there on our own. Mm, mm -hmm. You know, um, it, I think when I sit down to pray sometimes, it's like the story of one of my sisters. Um, she was going, she lived in, we, we have sisters in Rome. And so she was going towards, um, she was following someone on the interstate. And she was supposed to take an exit and he was going to kind of indicate this exit to her. And then, and then she would, he would go forward, you know, to his, wherever he needed to go, his destination. And she was going to take the exit. And so as she's waving to him saying, thanks for getting to the exit, she gets stopped 
right away by like a traffic jam and she hits on her brakes and she stops and in that moment everything that was in the back of her car flew towards the front Mm. so i like to use this in spiritual direction this example because what happened you stopped and then everything flies forward that was in the back. So so basically she had a bunch of fruits and vegetables in the back of her car and they all fell forward. Mm. And so this is a very good image for what happens to us in prayer. We might be coming to sit down in prayer after we've, you know, just got, got back from work or, you know, we're just got done getting every all of our kids off to school and we sit down in prayer and everything that's in the back, you could say the back of your head are all these thoughts that have been going on in you, but you haven't been noticing them Mm. because you are preoccupied. There's so much going on. Your kids need you. They, you know, they're trying to ask you where their homework is and all that stuff. And then you stop in adoration and everything comes forward and you're like, oh my gosh, now all I'm thinking about is how, you know, I need to do laundry, <laughs> you know, or, or you're thinking about how that conversation that you had with a person earlier today um, is just, is distracting you, you know, or is, is bothering you. And I would say it's not always a distraction. It might be something that the Lord wants you to address with Yes, him. exactly. Thaddeus, did you want to add something? I think that's, I think that's a terrific image and, it's very comforting for so many of us who probably have that feeling, that that frustration about I've made this time to have silent prayer or carved out this time for adoration, and then I just am getting bombarded with uh, minutia running through my head. And so that's that's very helpful. Very, very good. Thank you, sister. Yes. Well, we are all in this boat. So true. You know, I want to, I'm not going to read the whole quote from Cardinal, the Cardinal Seurat's book, but there's this one there toward the end that I just really, really like, um, that I want to go ahead and kind of start wrapping up with. And it says, agitation becomes a tranquilizer, a sedative, but this noise is dangerous, deceptive medicine, a diabolic lie that helps man avoid and confronting himself in his interior emptiness. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really beautiful because I do see that we run and hide behind these things, you know, myself included. Um, I remember doing it much more as a young mom, just trying to stay busy so I didn't have to to really face the yuckness that I should be facing, you know. So I just want to encourage everybody, number one, take stock. What's your relationship with noise? And number two, download that app if your phone is an issue for you. <laughs> but what, what is, what's another concrete step that I think we can do, a resolution, so to speak, of what we want to do? Oh, increase time and adoration is another one. Yeah, yeah. Of course we um, want to maybe find 15 minutes or 20 minutes of of prayer time every day. So, um, you know, this can be a challenge to find. Ask the Lord for his grace, though. Ask the Lord for him to provide this. If you feel this is very hard for you to find, ask him. And I guarantee you will be shocked. Mm -hmm. But you need to also take stock of what what is distracting you during the day and you know how much time are you on your phone maybe you know and it's like can i right. give up 15 minutes of that time on the phone for silent prayer time while my kids taking a nap or whatever it might be um so i would say though a concrete way to bring this all to prayer um and like i said it can be very hard when you feel like you set that time aside for silence and then what do you what do you 
You're not there, though. You're not in silence. Um, there's this prayer called the A-R-R-R prayer, R, like pirate. <laughs> so A, when you are in that place, acknowledge what is going on in you. What is that thought, feeling, desire that's stirring in you? And then the first R then is to reflect. What is this doing in my heart? Why is this coming to me? The next R, receive. Receive from the Lord. Relate. Relate to him. Relate to him how this is bothering you. Talk to him about this. Receive again. Receive his peace and then respond. Mm. So once I've acknowledged, I've related it, and I've re- you know received from the Lord in this, how am I going to respond now? And so cultivating silence can bring so much fruit when we notice what's in our heart. And those become really the concrete material that we can use then for discernment of what is God calling me to? Where is he? What is the Holy Spirit prompting me to today? So if I don't cultivate silence and I don't I don't listen to what's going on in my heart, how can we listen to the Holy Spirit's promptings and be aware? Because he does speak through our thoughts, feelings, and desires. Um, so bring in this type of prayer into your life when you're like sitting down and you can't just force yourself to not have thoughts. So is it increasing docility to the spirit exactly the fruit of silence? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I yeah. love that. So other ways to to increase um, your docility to the spirit, slow down, quiet yourself. God wants to love you in those moments. And how does he want to love you? How can you be docile? How can you start to look up and outside of ourselves? I mean, it's so normal and common because we're human and we are very corporal. But to think about just looking up for a minute and uh, asking God what he wants instead of what we want. Right. And in the silence that, oh, that's really awesome. Wow. Can you believe the time has really just flown by on this interview? I hope that you'll come back when you have some more stuff you want to talk about, sister. I would love that when you get a passion for something. We we feel so thankful that you could join us today. Thank you, Pam. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks, Thaddeus. You bet, sister. It's been great. Yep. So um, I'll be back again in two weeks. I'll be having Father Augustine on to talk about the virtue of gratitude and how to increase that in our daily lives. And I'll help you just turn tune in again next week. But until then, I want you to go and love your neighbor.